Welcome to Twisted Tales of Madness and Murder Presents Imaginary. This tale opens in front of a typical two-story suburban house as sirens can be heard approaching, followed by the screeching tires of a police cruiser coming to a stop. John Weber, who is in his 30s, quickly jumps out of the cruiser and surveys the house. April, in her 50s, wearing a robe, pink bunny slippers, and has her hair up in blue rollers, comes running over from the house across the street. Oh, thank God you're here, officer. Oh, something bad is happening over there at that house. I've heard gunshots and horrific screaming. I've never heard anything like it. All of a sudden, several gunshots ring out from the second floor of the house, causing April to drop to the ground. See? John reaches down and grabs hold of April and gets her to her feet. Get back in your house right now and stay away from the windows. April, keeping low, hurries up to her house but stops to look back at John. I said get in your house! April goes into her house and shuts the door as John pulls his gun and maneuvers toward the front door. A blood-curdling scream echoes down from the house, followed by silence just as John reaches the front door. John looks in through the front windows but finds the front room empty, then takes several deep breaths, then slowly and carefully opens the front door. John walks slowly into the living room and stands horrified to find the carpet soaked with blood and the walls covered in it as well. John looks down, finding a trail of blood leading up the stairs. John carefully navigates the blood-soaked carpet and makes his way up the stairs with his gun out in front of him. John reaches the top of the stairs and finds the door to the master bedroom riddled with bullet holes. Police officer, open the door. John gets no response. I said open the door. Again, there is no response. John checks the handle to the door, finding it unlocked. John pushes the door open, finding blood dripping from the ceiling into puddles on the floor. Two partially skinned bodies that have been torn apart and their insides emptied lay on a bed. Jesus Christ. John notices a pile of internal organs on the ground in front of the bed. What the hell could do something like this? The sound of faint crying coming from one of the other rooms down the hall draws John's attention. John slowly steps into a room that is painted pink and littered with stuffed animals as the crying can be heard coming from under the bed. John tosses the comforter back and looks under the bed, finding Rebecca, who is seven, wearing princess pajamas and pink princess slippers. She is curled up in the fetal position, shaking uncontrollably with tears rolling down her cheeks. Hey, shh, shh, shh. It's gonna be okay. You're safe now. I'm a police officer. John holds his hand out to her. Dr. Stevens, in his 50s, dressed in a traditional white lab coat and green scrubs, steps out of the room at the children's hospital, looking confused, 
just as Ariana, in her thirties, a nurse wearing blue scrubs with ducks printed all over them, walks by. Nurse, I need you to stay with a patient of mine while I run upstairs to get a few things. Is it the girl that was brought in by the police earlier? Yes, it is. How is she doing? She is pretty shaken up. From what the police told me, she witnessed the brutal killing of her parents. Oh, poor child. What is wrong with this world? Has she said who did it? I haven't been able to get her to say one word to me. I've always seemed to have a good rapport with children. Perhaps I could try? Be my guest. I'll be back as soon as I can. Take your time. Ariana steps into a sparsely furnished room with all white walls, finding Rebecca, who is holding a doll against her chest, sitting at a table in the middle of the room. Ariana shuts the door, then walks up to the table. Hi. Would it be okay if I sat down and joined you? Rebecca glances up at Ariana, then nods yes before looking back down. Ariana grabs the chair across from Rebecca and pulls it out and sits down. That's a lovely doll. Rebecca stays silent. I had one just like it when I was about your age. I carried her with me everywhere I went. Don't tell anybody this, but I can't sleep if I don't have her next to me. Rebecca slowly looks up as Ariana gives her a warm smile. My name's Ariana. Rebecca? It's a pleasure to meet you, Rebecca. How long do I have to stay in this place? Ah, oh, sweetie, I wish I could tell you, but unfortunately I just don't know. Rebecca, dispirited, looks down. I realize you've been through a great deal tonight, hon, but could I possibly ask you a couple questions? Rebecca, still looking down, closes her eyes tightly. Questions about what happened at my house? Yes. Rebecca, nervous, opens her eyes and gives Ariana a concerned look. I really don't think that is such a good idea. Well, why is that? Rebecca looks around the room, then leans across the table and speaks to Ariana in a near whisper. If we start talking about the things that happened at my house and to my parents, then he could show up again. He? Are you talking about the person responsible for what happened? Yes. Ariana reaches out and puts her hand on Rebecca's arm. You're perfectly safe in here, Rebecca. You have nothing to worry about. You don't understand. It's not that simple. Well, you don't have to be scared anymore, sweetie. Just tell me his name and where we can find him. Rebecca anxiously twists the doll in her hands. Will you please just stop talking about him before it's too late? It's okay. Ariana rubs Rebecca's arm, but Rebecca quickly jerks it away. You need to stop right now. Oh, you don't need to be scared anymore, Rebecca. I will not let anything happen to you. Rebecca shakes her head then frantically rubs her temples. I'm not concerned about Jasper hurting me. I'm worried about him hurting you. Ariana, perplexed, leans back in the chair. Hurt me? Well, why would he want to hurt me? 
because he's a very bad man with a diseased brain. Well, you don't have to worry about me. I can take care of myself. Now, you said his name is Jasper. Does he have a last name? Rebecca balls her hands into little fists, hitting her temples repeatedly. You gotta stop talking about him right now before he kills you! Rebecca stands up and looks behind Ariana. Go away. I don't want you here. Just leave. You you want me to leave? I'm not talking to you. Who are you talking to, then? Rebecca points behind Ariana. Him. Ariana looks at the empty space behind her, then turns back to Rebecca. We're the only ones in here, honey. Rebecca slams her hands on the table, visibly frustrated. He's standing right behind you! Ariana once again looks behind herself, finding nothing. You think this Jasper person is in the room with us right now? I don't think it. I know it! You need to leave before it's too late! You still have a chance! Just relax. Everything is fine. There is nobody behind me. You shouldn't have said that. Why did you say that? She didn't mean it. She just doesn't understand. She's a nice person. Please don't hurt her. Rebecca backs away from the table. Rebecca, Rebecca, it's it's okay. I'm fine. Nothing is going to happen to me. Rebecca backs up against the wall and looks at Ariana. I'm sorry. Stevens steps out of the elevator, carrying a handful of paperwork, and makes his way toward the room, when all of a sudden the hallway is filled with the sound of Ariana's screams. Stevens drops the papers as he runs to the door, grabbing the handle and opens it but it's knocked across the hall as it slams shut on him. Leave me alone! Something slams into the door, cracking it, as Ariana's screams suddenly stop. You're just trying to help me! Stevens, dazed, notices blood seeping out from under the door. Glass shattering from inside the room can be heard as Stevens gets to his feet and opens the door as several nurses run up to him. Stevens stands in the doorway, horrified by the sight of the once white room that is now covered in blood and the window busted out. A pile of internal organs rests on top of the table, causing one of the nurses to scream out. Stevens notices Ariana's mutilated body, crumpled in the corner with sections of her skin, have been peeled away from her body. Stevens, shaken up, looks at one of the nurses. Call the police. Stevens steps into the room, almost slipping on the bloody floor, and finds Rebecca crouched under the table. What happened? Rebecca stays silent. One week later, we find Rebecca dressed in a white hospital gown and her greasy hair hanging over her face, sitting at a table, feverishly working on a drawing. Tara, a nurse in her 20s, walks up to the table and looks down at the drawing. This is very interesting. 
Tara studies the crude drawing of a tall man with long, scraggly hair holding a curved knife. Around his waist, he wears a belt with a collection of upholstery tools hanging from it. Who is this supposed to be? Rebecca grabs the drawing back and pulls a red crayon out and scribbles all below the man. What's the deal with all the red? Rebecca continues to scribble. It's the blood from all his victims. Stevens walks into the room carrying a clipboard. Thank you, nurse. You can go. Tara quickly leaves the room as Stevens sits down. Hello, Rebecca. How are you feeling today? Did you sleep well last night? I'd like to go home. I don't like being here. I wish I could send you home. But unfortunately, we have a few things that need to be figured out before that can happen. I know you all think I'm crazy, but I'm not. I tried to help that nurse. She just wouldn't leave things alone. Did you do those things to her? I've already told you, and all the others a hundred times. I didn't do that to her. Just... Rebecca shuts her mouth and sits back in the chair. What was that? Were you about to tell me his name? Rebecca shakes her head no as Stevens looks down at Rebecca's drawing. Is that another one of the man? May I? Stevens grabs the drawing and looks it over. For being so frightened of this man, you sure do draw him a lot. Stevens lays out a collection of similar drawings on the table in front of Rebecca. One of the drawings has the man standing in front of a house crudely built out of human bones. Do you want this man to hurt somebody else? No. Well, that's exactly what is going to happen unless you tell me his name so the authorities can apprehend him. Knowing his name isn't going to help anybody. And why is that? Because they won't be able to find him. Why wouldn't they be able to find him? Because of where he lives. Where does he live, Rebecca? Rebecca points to her head. He lives in your head? Rebecca nods yes, causing Stevens to scribble down some notes. You do understand that you can trust me, right? Yes, but when I talk about him, he shows up. When he shows up, people die. Since we are talking about him, is he here right now? Rebecca's eyes widen as a tall, gangly figure appears behind Stevens, holding a jagged piece of rusty metal. Rebecca takes a deep breath and looks down. If he is here, I would really like to know his name so I could introduce myself. Why is it that adults never listen to children? I've told you, if we were to talk about him, he's going to kill you because you don't believe in him. The figure raises the piece of metal above Stephen's head. I do believe in him, Rebecca. That's why I would like to know his name. The figure hesitatingly lowers the chunk of metal back down. His name is Jasper. Now, was that so hard? I'm tired. I would like to lay down now. You go ahead and get some rest, and we will continue tomorrow. Stevens gets up and walks out of the room. One month later, we find Rebecca sitting on the edge of a bed in the children's hospital, rocking back and forth, staring at the ground, when she all of a sudden grabs her head, wincing in pain. <gasps> 
Rebecca closes her eyes and takes a deep breath, which causes the pain to go away. Then she slowly opens her eyes and looks into the dark corner of the room. I wasn't thinking about you. We're talking about you. You can't be here. The tips of blood-stained boots emerge from the darkness, illuminated from the moonlight coming through the window. One of the boots is worn through, exposing the steel in the toe. Why can't you just leave me alone? The door to her room swings open, and Nancy, in her thirties, one of the night nurses, steps in. What in the world is all the fuss about in here? You trying to wake up the entire floor or something? Rebecca points over at the dark corner, which causes Nancy to look. Am I supposed to be seeing something right now? What are you pointing at? He's here. Nancy reaches over and flips the light on, revealing an empty corner. What are you talking about? See, there's nothing over there. You are the only one in this room. My guess is you probably just had a bad dream or something. Nancy glances at the graphic drawings on the wall. Ugh, and it's no wonder you have bad dreams with all these terrible things you draw. Maybe you should consider changing things up a bit and start drawing ponies or rainbows or any of the other stuff girls your age should be drawing. Nancy grabs Rebecca's sheets. But for now, what you need to be doing is going back to sleep. So why don't you lay yourself back down? He's not a dream. Nancy scratches the side of her head, then points to the empty corner. Uh, I don't know what you really want me to tell you, kid. You can see for yourself nobody is over there. Now, if he was real and all, wouldn't we be seeing him? You shouldn't talk like that, or he will be coming after you. All right now, just dial it down, kiddo. What you need is a good night's sleep, so lay down. Rebecca slowly lays down as Nancy covers her with a sheet, then flips off the light. Now, all I want to hear coming from this room for the rest of the night is the sounds of sleeping, okay? Good night. Nancy walks out, closing the door behind her. Nancy walks across the hallway and leans on the counter of the nurse's station, staring at Becky, who is in her 30s, who is sitting behind a computer, listening to music on her headphones as she works, but takes them off and looks up at Nancy. So, what the hell was going on in there? <sighs> Let me tell you something. That little girl has some serious mental issues. I mean, just look at her damn wall, for Christ's sake. It's covered in those horrific drawings. That shit is disturbing. I'll be happy when they move her out of here. Jesus, Nancy. She's just a little kid. I don't care. She spooks the shit out of me. This shift is creepy enough without her flipping out about some imaginary killer appearing out of nowhere and gutting people. Becky points her finger at her. You better watch that tongue of yours. You know what happens when you say you don't believe her. Nancy snaps her fingers, then points at Becky. See, right there is the biggest problem of all. That girl might actually have a chance at some kind of life if everyone around here stopped walking on eggshells and told her the truth for once. Nancy looks over at Rebecca's door, then back at Becky. Uh, who knows? 
Maybe she is just too far off the deep end already, and the rest of her life is going to be filled with drool and staring out windows. Nancy grabs the latest celebrity magazine off the counter and starts walking down the hall. Where are you going? Bathroom. Maybe I'll be lucky enough to bump into Jasper on my way, and he can end my terrible existence at this shithole. <laughs> Nancy, laughing, disappears around the corner at the end of the long hall as Becky slides her headphones back on and goes back to work. Nancy sits on a toilet flipping through the magazine when, all of a sudden, the bathroom door can be heard opening. Is that you, Becky? The bathroom is silent, except for the hum of the fluorescent lights as Nancy leans forward, trying to peer through the cracks in the stall, when, all of a sudden, a large figure darts in front of it, causing Nancy to move back. Very funny, Becky, but I'm not scared. You do know if Phil comes in and finds nobody at the desk, shit's gonna hit the fan. He's a total control freak. Nancy waits for a response, but gets none as a loud bang echoes through the bathroom from one of the other stall doors, slamming open. Jesus Christ, Becky, what the fuck are you doing? The stall door next to her slams open, rattling the partition as Nancy sits petrified, noticing a pair of bloody boots in front of the stall door. Um, excuse me, but this stall is occupied. The boots do not move. Listen, asshole, I've got a can of mace with me and I'm not afraid to use it. A filthy hand with overgrown, crusted yellow fingernails reaches over the top of the door, gripping it, then rattling it. What is your problem, asshole? The door shakes violently. Just stop already! The rattling all of a sudden stops, and the figure disappears as Nancy sits on the edge of the toilet, listening as the bathroom door opens and closes. Nancy slowly pulls her pants up, then getting on her tiptoes, peers over the top of the stall, finding the bathroom empty. What the fuck was that? A large, sharp knife suddenly comes swinging under the stall, slicing through Nancy's Achilles tendons, dropping her to her knees as she screams out in pain. Then the filthy hands reach under the stall, grabbing her as she grabs hold of the toilet desperately. A loud growl fills the bathroom as Nancy's fingers slowly lose grip. Please! Oh my god! Nancy is suddenly jerked out of the stall, screaming, followed by the sound of her being torn open. <laughs> Becky is busy typing, but stops and slides her headphones off when she hears Nancy's screams that all of a sudden stop. Becky slowly gets up and walks around the counter, looking down the dark hallway. Nancy? You okay down there? Becky walks down the hall. I told you not to eat that burrito from the vending machine. Becky walks up to the bathroom door and stares at it. Hey, Nancy. You in there? Becky knocks on the door. Nancy? Becky gets no answer. I swear to God, Nancy, if you are fucking with me right now, I'm going to be super pissed. 
Becky grabs the handle of the door and opens it and steps into the bathroom, finding Nancy's intestines stretched out across the top of the stalls like some grotesque Christmas display, causing her to scream in horror. Hysterical, Becky turns to run out of the bathroom, but slips on Nancy's blood and falls to the ground. Covered in Nancy's blood, Becky is able to get to her feet and run out into the hallway. She's been murdered! Call the police! Becky pulls the fire alarm, then runs down the exit stairs. Rebecca, scared, lays under her bed watching the water from the sprinkler system hit the floor when all of a sudden her door opens and she watches the pair of boots walk across the room and disappear into the dark corner. We find Rebecca, two years later, dressed in a purple robe and sitting in a leather chair, looking out a window with bars at a psychiatric hospital when the door to her room unlocks and Nurse Heather, in her 40s, comes in carrying a small Dixie cup filled with pills. All right, darling, it's time for your medication. Rebecca slowly sticks her hand out without saying a word as Heather sets the cup in her hand. Rebecca dumps the pills in her mouth and swallows them, then hands the cup back to Heather. I thought you might like to know that the doctors have been very pleased with your progress as of late. Rebecca continues to stare out the window. So does that mean I get to go home soon? I really wish I could give you an answer, but that is something only the doctors would be able to tell you. That means no. Heather, not sure what to say, just walks out, leaving Rebecca to stare out the window as the door can be heard locking. Eight years have passed, and we now find Rebecca, who is 17 and wearing jeans and a T-shirt, sitting in an oversized leather chair in front of a desk. Rebecca leans forward, looking at an overstuffed manila folder with her name on it. She looks back at the door then slowly opens the folder, revealing a drawing of Jasper, causing her to quickly close it, then grab her head. I have no idea what you think you were doing. You're not coming back. You are no longer welcome here. This is my world to control. Go back to wherever you came from. Rebecca takes a deep breath as the office door opens and Dr. Patrick, who is in his 40s, comes walking in and looks down at Rebecca in concern. Rebecca, are you okay? Rebecca drops her hands to her sides. I'm fine. Thank you. Patrick slowly sits down at the desk as he looks at Rebecca with suspicion. Are you sure about that? I'm only asking because you look like something could possibly be bothering you. Rebecca rubs the arms of the chair with her hands nervously. Well, to be honest with you, Doc, I'm actually a bit nervous about leaving here. I mean, this place has been my home for the last ten years. This is all I really know anymore. What happens if I can't adjust to life outside of this place? Maybe I'm just never meant to leave this place. Patrick just shakes his head in disagreement. Well, for starters, please, just kick all that negative talk to the curb right now. 
I'm telling you that you're going to do just fine, Rebecca. Look, if I thought otherwise, I wouldn't let you walk out these doors. Patrick picks up the folder and holds it up. Look, you see this folder right here? Right here in my hand? This folder represents your past, Rebecca. Patrick reaches down and opens a desk drawer, then drops the folder in and closes it. It's time. It's time for you to concentrate on your future and all the great things that are to come. Rebecca rubs her hands together nervously. I want nothing more than to put all that behind me and just move forward. But what happens if I can't ignore him and he comes back again? Patrick leans back in his chair. When you say he comes back again, who are you referring to, Rebecca? Rebecca, apprehensive, looks around the office. Oh, come on, let's not play this game right now. You know exactly who I'm talking about. We've gone over this time and time again, Rebecca. You can say his name aloud. You have absolutely no reason to be afraid. Rebecca carefully looks around the room, then at Patrick. Jasper. Patrick all of a sudden slaps the top of the desk. That's right, Jasper, an imaginary friend you made up as a child. He's just a figment of your imagination, Rebecca. That's all he is. That's all he ever was. He doesn't exist. It, it's not possible for him to hurt you or anybody else because of the fact he is not real. You said it in the past that if somebody didn't believe in him, he would appear and kill them, right? Patrick looks around the room. How about it, Jasper? I don't believe in you. You've never existed and never will. If you're real, then why don't you just come out and get me right away? Right now. Patrick looks at Rebecca. See, no Jasper. Why? Well, because he's not real. He never was. That's why. If that is truly the case, then I can't help but to circle back and think that if he was never real, then I must have been the one that killed those people and just can't remember it. Rebecca looks down at the floor. My parents. I know the police and even Dr. Stevens were convinced that somehow you were responsible for these these heinous crimes. You were a seven-year-old child. They went over every possible detail of those crime scenes and found it impossible that you could have done any of those things. Stevens, Stevens, he, he handled your case so poorly and, and had you so medicated, it gave you no chance of getting better. When I inherited you as a patient, right after Stevens' heart attack, the first thing I did was cut back your medication and we instantly started seeing results which has led us to where we are today. And who did kill them? I don't know, some sick individual that hopefully justice will eventually find. You had nothing to do with it. As far as Jasper goes, I believe you created him to help you deal with issues in your childhood. Every child has an imaginary friend at some point in time. It's perfectly healthy. Patrick scratches the side of his head. <laughs> well, granted... Most of them aren't like this one. Trust me when I say you're going to be just fine. Leaving here is the best thing for you, Rebecca. You say that, but I'm worried because I've been getting those headaches again. The ones that feel like something is literally trying to bust out of my head. I have a funny feeling you know exactly what I'm about to ask you. So tell me, 
Truthfully, have you been taking your pills? Here's the thing about those pills. They taste so damn awful. (laughs) Well, I can't do anything about the taste. But they'll help with the headaches and prevent them from coming on. I mean, that is if you take them as I've directed. Rebecca holds her hands up. All right, all right. I promise I'll do better at taking them. The phone on the desk rings, causing Patrick to answer it. Hello? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, fantastic. Would you please send them right in? Patrick hangs the phone up, then smiles at Rebecca. They're here. Rebecca fidgets in the chair. Hey, Rebecca, I know you're nervous. But what you need to do is just relax, okay? These are good people. They can help you get back on your feet and get you acclimated back into society. In fact, they have several other foster children they're working with right now, all close to the same age as you, actually. If I leave here, then how am I going to attend my weekly group sessions? Honestly, I feel you no longer need them. But if you ever want or need to talk to somebody... I'm always just a phone call away. However, I have this sneaky suspicion that uh, once you walk out these doors, I will no longer hear from you. And for me, that's a good thing, because it means you're out there living your life. The office door opens and Brad and Mary Wilkins in their 40s, dressed conservatively, walk in as Patrick gets up and shakes their hands. Hey, it's so great to see you again. Thank you for coming over. Patrick motions towards Rebecca. So let me introduce to you this young lady, Rebecca. Rebecca slowly gets out of the chair as Mary steps up to her and without warning gives her a big hug. Oh my goodness, I've been looking forward to meeting you for some time, dear. Rebecca stands with her arms at her sides, not sure how to react, as Brad grabs Mary by the shoulder, pulling her back. Mary, we've talked about this before. You need to give people their space until you get to know them and all. Let the kid breathe. Brad sticks his hand out to Rebecca. Name is Brad, but you can basically call me anything you want, except late for dinner. (laughs) Brad laughs as Rebecca shakes his hand. So, how was the drive? Actually, not that great. Seems like they are doing construction on every road possible, which is why we should probably get ourselves back on the road so we can get back home at a decent hour. Yeah, understand that. Nothing could be worse than getting stuck in construction traffic. Patrick looks at Rebecca. Well, I guess this is goodbye. Rebecca walks up to Patrick, hugging him. Thank you. For everything. Rebecca, best of luck. And like I said, if you ever need to talk, you have my number. Patrick stands at his window, looking down at Rebecca, who is just about to get into the Wilkins car, but stops and turns back, looking up at Patrick. They exchange waves. Then Rebecca gets in the car and drives off. Later that evening, Patrick is driving down a long, dark road when suddenly a long, curved blade punches through his chest, splattering the front window with blood. Patrick, clutching the wheel, looks up in the rearview mirror, finding the silhouette of a creepy man with greasy, matted hair. (gasps) 
You... you are real. Patrick's car swerves back and forth across the two-lane road as a sinister laugh fills the car, followed by flesh and bone tearing and breaking from the blade of the knife, slicing up his body. Patrick slumps over the wheel as the car swerves off the road and slams into a tree. The Wilkins car drives down a dirt road, coming to a stop in front of a large two-story country-style house with a wraparound porch. A large faded red barn sits back behind the house, visible through a collection of trees. Brad turns the car off and looks back at Rebecca, who is staring intently at the house. Well, I hope you like it. Rebecca turns to Brad. This is it? This is it. Brad and Mary get out followed by Rebecca as several teenagers have gathered on the porch and are staring in their direction. Mary gently puts her arm around Rebecca. I know it's country but I think this is just the kind of place you need right now. Mary looks up at the kids on the porch, then back at Rebecca. Whatever you do, don't be intimidated by any of them. They're all good kids. Brad opens the trunk and pulls out Rebecca's bags. Well, most of them anyways. Mary glares at Brad. All of them. Brad closes the trunk, then steps up to them with his hands full. Well... What's the story? We gonna just stand out here all night or what? Brad, Mary, and Rebecca walk toward the house when all of a sudden, Chuck, who is eight, dressed in a camouflage ghillie suit and his face smeared with camouflage paint, springs out from behind a bush, screaming. <coughs> Rebecca, startled, jumps back as laughter can be heard from the porch. Damn it, Chuck. What have I told you about jumping out and scaring people? Chuck shrugs his shoulders. You've told me not to do it, but really, I'm providing an important service when you stop and think about it. Is that so? And what service would that be? I'm keeping everybody on their toes and ready for whatever might come their way. Brad just puts his hand over his face as Chuck looks over at Rebecca. So let me guess, you must be the new inmate. Chuck, what is wrong with you? You make this place sound like a prison or something. Chuck looks at Mary. A thousand apologies, Mary. Chuck turns to Rebecca. Welcome to Brad and Mary's glorious estate that is nothing like a prison. Chuck looks back at Mary. Is that better? Mary just shakes her head as Chuck turns back to Rebecca. My name is Chuck. Chuck Norris. Rebecca looks over at Brad and Mary, then back at Chuck. Chuck Norris? That's right, the one and only. As in Walker, Texas Ranger. Chuck does several off-balance kicks, then runs off behind the house as Mary looks at Rebecca. He's harmless. Last week, he was Bruce Lee. Who knows who he will be next? Nothing like a little variety. I guess. Brad points out at the surrounding woods. It's amazing. That kid will disappear into those woods for hours. He's our little survivalist. Be warned if you go for a walk or something out there. 
Just watch out for traps. That's his newest thing. Sarah, who is 17, comes running down from the porch and up to Brad. Your brother's been calling all night. He says he was trying your phone, but it went straight to voicemail. He says it's an emergency. What? He never called my phone. I've had it with me the entire time. Brad reaches into his pocket and pulls out his phone and looks down at the blank screen, then tries pushing several buttons. Oh, damn it. The damn thing is dead. I must have forgotten to charge it. Mary shakes her head in disgust. I told you to put that thing on the charger first thing this morning. Brad looks at Mary and gives her a sarcastic smile. Well, that doesn't help me right now, does it, Mary? Brad looks at Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. Brad hurries into the house as Sarah sticks her hand out toward Rebecca. Hello. My name is Sarah. Rebecca shakes her hand. It's a pleasure to meet you. Sorry you had to deal with our little Rambo wannabe. Oh, it's, it's okay. Let's go meet the other kids, shall we? Mary and Rebecca walk up to the porch with Sarah behind them, finding Dylan, who is 17, dressed in skater attire, along with Tyler, who is also 17 and dressed similar to Dylan. Stephanie, who just turned 18, dressed in a skimpy outfit, stares at Rebecca. Mary, disgusted, looks at Stephanie. I can't believe what I'm seeing right now. What did I tell you about wearing those types of clothes? Sorry to break the news to you, Mary, but I'm 18 now and can do what I want, and that includes wearing what I want. Well, Stephanie, I hate to break the news to you, but the court says I'm in charge of you for another two months, so that means you must follow my rules until then. Stephanie folds her arms across her chest. That is such bullshit, and you know it. It's fucking hot out. Would you please refrain from using that language? I know you have a better vocabulary than that, and it's not even that hot out. Stephanie rolls her eyes. Whatever. Mary just shakes her head, then looks at Dylan. That young man over there is Dylan. What's up? Nice to meet you. Dylan nods his head in Rebecca's direction. Next to him, we have Tyler. Howdy, howdy. And finally, we have Stephanie. Where did you plan on putting her? I sure in hell hope you didn't plan on having her sleep in my room. Could you possibly try to be more of a bitch? Mary looks at Sarah in shock. Sarah, what has gotten into you girls tonight? And your use of dark language? Sarah puts her hands up. I'm sorry. Mary looks at Sarah as Stephanie gives Sarah the finger. Would you be okay if Rebecca stayed in your room? Sure. Unlike some people around here, I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> oh, that's because you're such an ass-kisser. Mary is about to say something, but stops when she notices Brad walking out of the house with a somber look on his face. Is everything okay? Brad walks up to Mary. It's my father. He's dead. Oh my god! I'm so sorry! What happened? They say it was a heart attack. I guess he was just out mowing the lawn and fell over. Mary gives Brad a hug as Tyler puts his hand on his shoulder. I'm sorry, man. That really sucks. I can't believe it. 
I just talked to him the other day about having him come out and help fix the barn. Oh, my God. This can't be happening right now. I need to be there. We need to get going right now. I agree. But we just can't leave the kids alone. What are you talking about? Of course you can. I'm technically an adult now. Mary ignores Stephanie as she looks at Brad. We'll call your sister and see if she can come over and watch them until we get back. She wouldn't be able to get here until Sunday. I don't know what you want me to say, Mary, but I am going in and packing my bag so I can go and be with my mother. I would really love to have my wife by my side. The kids will only be alone tonight and tomorrow night. I think they can manage that without burning the house down. You have nothing to worry about. Everything will be just fine here. Mary turns to the kids. Our options are very limited right now on what we can do. So we're putting a lot of trust in you kids. So please, don't disappoint us. Mary glances around at each kid. Is that understood? Each of the kids nod their heads in agreement. Then Mary turns to Sarah. I'm putting you in charge, Sarah, until my sister can get here. Do you think you will be able to handle that responsibility? Of course. That won't be a problem at all, whatever you need. <sighs> for you, it won't be a problem. But for the rest of us, it will suck. As if your head isn't big enough already. Mary turns to Stephanie. I think it goes without saying that Steve is not allowed to step foot on this property. I am well aware of that, Mary. I mean it, Stephanie. I don't want him anywhere near here. And I'm telling you, Mary, he will not step foot on this property. Mary turns to Rebecca. I'm sorry, Rebecca. Things usually aren't this crazy around here. Sarah will show you around and get you settled in. When I get back, we'll go into town and get you enrolled in school and take care of anything else that might need to be done. It sounds good to me. Thank you. Mary looks back at Brad. Well, we should get packing. Later that evening, we find all the kids on the porch looking down at Mary as Brad is loading their bags in the car. Okay, my sister will be here on Sunday sometime around 3 or 4. All the numbers where we can be reached are on the fridge. Brad closes the trunk lid, then looks out at Mary. All right, we're good to go. Mary looks up at the kids. You don't need to worry about us, Mary. We'll be fine. Mary turns and walks over to the car getting in, and they all watch as the car drives down the road and out of view. <sighs> About fucking time. Finally, we get this fucking place to ourselves for a weekend. Stephanie reaches into her skin-tight shorts and pulls a cell phone out and holds it up. You would think that with all those damn satellites clinking around up there, we'd get a better signal. Stephanie walks around the porch, finally getting a signal. About time. Who are you trying to call? It's really none of your fucking business. But since you are a nosy little bitch, I'm calling Steve. Now why in the world are you calling him? Because I need a good hard fuck, that's why. Are you kidding me? You just told Mary he wouldn't be stepping foot on this property. Well, obviously that was all bullshit, of course. I mean, who was going to stop him? Brad and Mary aren't going to be around. That doesn't matter. Rules are rules, and if he comes over, I'm calling Mary. Stephanie, irritated, lowers the phone. 
You know what, Sarah? You are such a fucking tight ass. It makes me sick. Maybe if you took the time and got yourself some dick every now and then, you wouldn't be walking around with a stick up your ass all day. I could certainly see if Steve could bring a friend for you. Well, I can say without hesitation, that's not going to happen. Because unlike you, I actually have an issue getting STDs. (laughs) Whatever, Sarah. You can stand there and talk out your ass all you want, but Steve's coming over regardless of what you say or do. I know Mary put you in charge and all, but none of us really give a shit about that except you. So why don't you go do something productive and finish showing the new girl around like Mary told you to do and let us police ourselves? I'm really not joking, Stephanie. You might not think it's important to follow rules, but I do. Steve shows up and I'm picking up the phone. Stephanie claps her hands. Good for you. Stick to your guns and don't back down. That's impressive. However, you should know that if you go and call Mary in an effort to make my life more shitty, that I'm not the only one that gets fucked over. What are you talking about? Stephanie looks at Tyler and Dylan. Hmm, what do you guys think? Do you want your Xbox back? They both nod their heads enthusiastically. Now you just wait a second. Mary took that away from them until they got their grades back up, and judging from that last report card, that's a ways off still. Stephanie shrugs her shoulders. As far as I'm concerned, this is a weekend free of rules and all that other bullshit. This is a weekend to have fun for a fucking change. Sarah looks at Dylan and Tyler. I don't care what she is saying, because you two know better. Don't listen to her. Tyler smiles at Sarah, then looks at Stephanie. So I take it you must have the key to the cabinet then to release our precious box? Stephanie pulls a key out of her pocket and holds it up. I just so happen to have it, right here. Stephanie tosses it to Tyler. Now, why don't you two go kill some bad guys? Stephanie looks at Sarah as Tyler and Dylan run into the house. Don't be a total killjoy, Sarah. Let us have some fun. Stephanie looks down at her phone and dials, then looks at Sarah as it starts ringing. Oh, I'm sorry. You can go now. I think we've established who is really in charge around here. Hello, hello, hello. Stephanie winks at her, then puts the phone to her ear. What's up, Steve? Sarah and Rebecca walk into a room where Rebecca's bags are already on a bed. Well, hopefully I've shown you everything you need to see for now. Sarah walks over to a dresser and opens one of the drawers. This one is empty, so go ahead and put what you need in here. If you need more space, I can condense one of mine. Rebecca walks over to her bed and sits down as she grabs her head, grimacing in pain. Are you okay, Rebecca? Rebecca takes a deep breath, then lowers her hands, then looks at Sarah. (laughs) I've got this damn headache coming on that I thought I could shake off, but it just keeps lingering behind my eyes. Do you need some aspirin or Tylenol? We've got plenty of that in the bathroom, I think. Rebecca reaches over and opens one of her bags. Actually, I have some medication for it that I'm supposed to be taking. It should be somewhere in this bag. 
Rebecca roots around the bag, but doesn't find the medication. Ugh, damn. I'll bet it's with my paperwork. Well, if that's the case, then I'm sure it's downstairs then, in Brad's office. We can get you what you need, then you can lay down. I'm sure you've had a long day. The sound of a powerful car engine can be heard outside the window. I really can't believe her. What is it? She invited the town loser over. Sarah walks over to the window with Rebecca right behind her, and they look out at a black Dodge Charger parked in front of the house as Steve, in his mid-twenties, wearing a black leather jacket and torn-up jeans, climbs out with a case of beer. Sarah and Rebecca walk into the kitchen, finding Steve leaning against the kitchen counter drinking a beer. He is talking to Dylan and Tyler, who are hanging on his every word. Oh, man, did you think that that was as fast as this thing could go? I swear, I turned it into the next gear, and we were hitting 140 on this road. Thank God no cops were inside, you know what I mean? <laughs> Steve notices Sarah and winks at her. What are you doing here? It's always such a pleasure to see you too, Sarah. You can cut the shit right now, Steve. Damn, girl. You are always so high-strung. What you need is a nice cold beer. Here, try one of these. Steve pulls a beer out and tosses it to her, which she catches, then opens. You just need to let your hair down sometimes. Blow off some steam. Sarah, smiling, turns and dumps the beer out in the sink. What the fuck are you doing? You just totally wasted a perfectly good beer. They don't give that shit away, you know. Hmm, like I care. You know you're not supposed to be here. You know as well as I do that all that crazy business was just a big misunderstanding. It wasn't my fault. Not your fault? You were having sex with a minor in the barn. Okay. In my defense, what the hell was I supposed to do? She was all over me. The right thing would have been to walk away. You're fucking with me, right? Do you have any idea how difficult it is to walk with a heart on? Sarah puts her hands up. I might as well be talking to a brick wall right now. Steve takes notice of Rebecca. Well, well. <laughs> what do we have here? Steve finishes his beer and crumples the can, then tosses it in the sink as he looks Rebecca up and down. I've got to say, from the basement to the attic, you've got the goods, baby. Steve walks over to Rebecca, sticking his hand out. Name's Steve. What's yours? Rebecca sticks her hand out, but Sarah knocks it away. Her name is underage, so leave her the hell alone. Steve steps back, holding his hands up. Jesus, Sarah, cut me some fucking slack for once. You treat me like I'm the devil or something. All I'm doing is trying to ask the new girl her name and show a little hospitality. Why don't you just call her crazy? Everybody turns as Stephanie walks into the kitchen with a folder in one hand and a bottle of pills in the other. It's about fucking time that sexy ass of yours showed up. Where the fuck you been? Stephanie holds up the folder. I was just doing a little light reading. Sarah looks at the folder. What are you doing with that? That's none of your business. How did you get it? 
I guess with his dad kicking the bucket and all, Brad forgot he left this shit on his desk. Stephanie tosses the pill bottle up and down. Along with these. You are so unbelievable. This is a new low for you. Blah, blah, blah. Stephanie looks over at Rebecca. So, Rebecca, how is your dear old friend Jasper doing these days? Rebecca, nervous, looks at the others, then back at Stephanie. I, I don't know anybody by that name. Really? Is that so? Very interesting. Maybe I read this all wrong. Stephanie smiles as she flips the folder open. Nope, I read this right. According to all these different documents in this folder, it is very detailed in explaining that you suffer from severe delusions about an imaginary figure that you have decided to name Jasper. Tyler looks at Stephanie, concerned. Uh, I don't get it, but that shit doesn't sound good. What the fuck does it all mean? Stephanie, you have no business or right going through that file. It's private. Give it to me. Sarah sticks her hand out, but Stephanie ignores it as she looks at Tyler. Well, Tyler, what it means is that Rebecca here is basically five cans short of a six-pack and believes she has an imaginary friend that is apparently responsible for at least four murders. Dylan looks at Stephanie. Get the fuck out of town. Four murders? What are you telling me? Steve grabs the folder. She's telling you that the state has decided to dump one of their cuckoo for Cocoa Puff problem kids on you. Just stop already. Tyler looks at Sarah. Did you know anything about this? Did she kill somebody? No. I mean, I don't know. But I do know that whatever is in that folder is confidential and none of our business. Stephanie looks around at the others. That's a load of horseshit. I don't know about any of you, but I feel it's only fair that we know if we've been shipped a cold-blooded killer that is going to be under the same roof as us. Give me the file and just shut your mouth already, Stephanie. So is Casper, I mean, Jasper with us right now? Rebecca steps back and grabs hold of the counter, then her head. I think it would be best if we just didn't talk about him. Could I, could I please have my pills? Then I can go lie down. Why in the fuck can't we talk about Jasper? You think your imaginary boogeyman is just going to pop out of nowhere and get us? <laughs> please, you just don't understand what could happen. What could happen to all of you? Rebecca cringes from the pain in her head. Uh, I need those pills before it's too late. <laughs> I don't understand. I'm pretty fucking sure I understand just fine, baby. What happened is, you've gone and taken a plunge off the deep end. You've obviously got some issues with this whole imaginary friendship, which is too bad, because you've got one killer set of tits hanging off you. Stephanie smacks Steve. What the fuck was that for? I was just complimenting her on her assets. You know your tits are the best thing since sliced bread or the litter box. Rebecca winces in pain. Uh, oh my god. He's coming. I don't think I can stop him this time. He's gotten too strong. Steve grabs Stephanie around the waist and pulls her close. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'll be the only one coming around here. Rebecca slaps the side of her head. 
I'm so stupid. Why didn't I take that medication like Patrick said? All of a sudden, a banging sound from the pantry startles everybody. Uh, what the fuck was that? Oh my god. It's too late. You should have listened to me. He's here. Dylan, concerned, looks at Rebecca, then at the door to the pantry. Okay, I'm getting a little fucking freaked out right now. What's in the pantry? Scratching can be heard coming from inside the pantry as Rebecca all of a sudden grabs a salt shaker off the counter and throws it at the pantry door, shattering it. I didn't call you! Go away! Sarah carefully steps up to Rebecca, putting her hand on her shoulder. It's okay, Rebecca. Just relax. Sarah looks over at Stephanie. Give me those damn pills. The pantry door rattles as Stephanie shoves Steve toward it. What the fuck do you want me to do? I want you to open the door and check it out. Steve looks at the door, then at Rebecca. So you really think that this Jasper character is standing on the other side of that door right now? I am begging each and every one of you. Leave. Now. (laughs) Man, this bitch is a fucking riot. Rebecca, angry, pulls open several kitchen drawers. What are you doing? What are you looking for, Rebecca? Rebecca reaches into one of the drawers and pulls out a large butcher knife. Something I can defend myself and all of you with. Tyler throws his hands up. Wow, okay, this isn't funny at all, man. We need to call somebody right now. This is getting out of hand. Sarah steps in front of Rebecca. Why don't you go ahead and put the knife down, Rebecca? You've kind of got everybody a little worried and scared at the moment, and that would include myself. Rebecca points the knife at the door. I'm sorry about that, but this is between me and him. Yeah, I was expecting some excitement tonight, but nothing like this. This is real drama. Not like that fake-as-fuck Kardashian show. For the record, that is one fucked-up family. Tyler looks around at everybody. Does anybody else feel this situation is alarming? Will somebody please take that knife away from her before she hurts somebody? Sarah looks over at Tyler. Relax, Tyler. Nobody's going to get hurt. The door rattles louder. Just open the fucking door, Steve, and stop being such a pussy. Steve grabs the handles to the pantry. If you open that door, he won't stop until he has slaughtered each and every one of you. Steve slowly takes his hand off the handle. Jesus Christ, Steve. Thought you had balls. Chill the fuck out. I'm opening it. Steve grabs the handle and jerks the door open. And the black cat springs out, causing Steve to jump back, slamming into the pots and pans rack as it darts past the others, then disappears as Steve regains his composure. (sighs) That little fucking cocksucking fucking cat! Hmm. Well, will you look at that? What a surprise. Nothing. Stephanie looks over at Rebecca, who's still holding the knife. I assure you that whoever let your fucking ass out of the nuthouse needs to be shit-canned. 
Your crazy ass needs to be locked up in a rubber room and not out in the free world with us normal people. Sarah, angry, looks at Stephanie. That's enough. Enough, my ass. You expect me to sleep under the same roof as this psycho bitch? That ain't gonna happen. Just look at her. She's walking around like ghost face with that fucking knife and shit. What you need to do is call the cops so they can come and get her and bring her back to wherever the fuck she came from. And then she could imagine a gangbang with the seven dwarves for all I care. Show a little compassion for once, Stephanie. This isn't helping the situation. At all. Just give me the damn pills already. I don't know about any of you, but all this excitement has gotten me hungry. Steve walks over and sticks his head into the pantry and looks around, then claps his hands together. Oh, holy shit! You guys have crunch and munch! Steve grabs the box off of the shelves and tears it open, shoving a handful of crunch and munch in his mouth. We all need to talk and figure out what we're going to do. I've already stated what needs to happen, so the talking is over. I'm going to go upstairs for a while, and when I come back down, Freak Show will be fucking gone, and I don't care how you do it, but you better do it. Stephanie steps up to Rebecca and tosses the folder and pills at her. You've lost your fucking mind. Give my regards to Jasper, bitch. Stephanie grabs the beer, then Steve, and they make their way up the stairs as Steve can be heard singing. (laughs) Casper the friendly ghost, the friendliest ghost you know. Sarah looks over at Tyler and Dylan. Unless you think you can do something to help me right now, maybe it would be best if you two just go and play your games. Tyler and Dylan both look at each other, then walk out of the room as Sarah reaches down and picks up the pills. Okay. That was not how I was expecting this night to go. Sarah opens the bottle and pours a pill out, then fills the glass with water, handing both of them to Rebecca. Here. You should take your medication. Are you okay? I know, this looks horrible and totally makes me look crazy, but something is telling me that he is here someplace. You saw for yourself, it was just a cat. Nothing else. I wish I could explain it, but there's just this presence that I'm feeling right now. Sarah slowly sticks her hand out. We will figure this out. But first, why don't you take the water and the pill, and I'll take the knife. Then we can get you upstairs and into bed so you can get some rest. You need to understand that if he is actually here, he will kill everyone in this house. Here's an idea. You give me the knife and take your medication. Then we'll both walk through the house, checking every room, making sure it's safe and sound before you lay down. What do you think about that? Rebecca nervously steps side to side, then slowly puts the knife in Sarah's hand and takes the water and pill from her. Thank you. Sarah starts to put the knife back in the drawer. What, what, what are you doing? Don't put that away. If we come across him, you're going to want that. Trust me. Sarah pulls the knife back out. 
You are absolutely right. Sarah looks around, then back at Rebecca, who is putting the pill in her mouth, then takes a drink of water. How about we start by going through the downstairs, checking all the rooms and closets, then do the same upstairs. After that, if everything is fine, you'll lay down and get some sleep, and we can start a fresh new day tomorrow. We've got to check every inch of this house. One thing I know about him is that he is, he's very sneaky, and he likes to hide in dark corners. Don't worry. We'll look over every inch of this place. Thank you, Sarah. I I just want to make sure that everybody is safe, is all. It's not a problem. Let's go ahead and start in the living room, since we know the kitchen is clear. Sarah and Rebecca walk out of the kitchen. Sarah, carrying the knife, walks into the kitchen with Rebecca behind her. Well, we have checked all the downstairs and the coast is clear. Loud music can be heard coming from upstairs, which irritates Sarah as she looks up at the ceiling, shaking her head. I swear she has absolutely no respect for others in this house. All she cares about is herself. Sarah looks back at Rebecca. Are you feeling all right? I'll be better once we check out the upstairs. Then I can finally relax. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's get to checking. Sarah walks over to the staircase in the back of the kitchen. I'm really sorry about this, Sarah. I really am. Sarah stops on the first step and turns back to Rebecca. No worries. You have no reason to be... All of a sudden, a pair of dirty, blood-stained hands with gnarly, yellow, crusted fingernails reaches down from the darkness of the staircase and jerks Sarah straight up. Sarah's white tennis shoes are all that can be seen swinging back and forth, kicking the walls of the staircase as she screams. Rebecca runs up to her and tries grabbing hold of her legs, but she is kicked in the face, causing her to stumble backwards, falling to the ground as the sound of skin tearing and bone breaking echo through the kitchen, followed by sadistic laughter. The knife Sarah was holding falls and sticks into one of the stairs as Sarah's once white shoes are now blood red and her screams are now gurgles as she stops kicking. Tyler and Dylan, both wearing headphones, sit in beanbag chairs with all kinds of snacks in front of them on the floor as they play the newest Call of Duty video game in their room. Steve, with his pants around his ankles, has Stephanie up against the bedroom wall having sex as rock music is playing from the stereo on the dresser. Rebecca gets up and finds the light switch and flips it on and looks up in horror, finding Jasper with his legs spread out, bracing them against the walls. You can't be here. You're only in my head. Jasper looks down at her and smiles with his yellowish-black decaying teeth, then peels back the skin on Sarah's face, causing Rebecca to scream out. You motherfucker! I'm gonna kill you! 
Rebecca reaches for the knife stuck in the stair, but slips on Sarah's blood and falls as Jasper drops down onto the staircase, causing Rebecca to backpedal into the kitchen. Then she watches as Jasper ducks his tall frame through the opening to the stairwell, stepping into the kitchen. Jasper, with his skin looking like old, weathered, cracked leather, slowly stands up straight, his bones creaking and cracking as his head nearly touches the ceiling. His long, grain matted hair hangs down to his shoulders. His clothing is tattered and torn. A utility belt hangs around his waist, holding a collection of different shaped knives. Rebecca pushes herself back up against the cabinets as Jasper walks up to her holding the skin from Sarah's face in his hand and stares at her with his solid black eyes. What do you want from me? I didn't ask for you to be here. I want you gone. Jasper reaches back and pulls a satchel around to his front and slides Sarah's skin into it. She didn't do anything to you. She was a good person that was trying to help me. Jasper lets out a mild growl as he tilts his head from side to side as he continues staring at Rebecca. Rebecca all of a sudden springs up and reaches for the phone on the counter. But Jasper grabs her by the hair before she can get to it and drags her across the kitchen, kicking and screaming. Jasper steps up to the open pantry, then grabs Rebecca around the back of the neck and flings her into the room like a rag doll crashing into the shelves, then falling to the floor unconscious. Jasper slams the door shut, then pulls out a rusty knife from his belt, which he shoves into the jam, preventing it from opening, then steps back, looking up at the ceiling and listening to the rock music. Jasper reaches down and runs his fingers along the many knives hanging from his belt, finally selecting one with a handle made from a human bone, then lowers his head and makes his way up the stairs. Stephanie and Steve, both sweaty, collapse on her bed as he gives her a smile. I don't know what the hell you're smiling about. <laughs> Please. You know that I just rocked your world. Sure, if that makes you feel better about yourself and that thing you call a cock. <laughs> whatever. Do you have that joint? Down in the car. Well, that's a good fucking place for it. The music stops. Fuck. The Wi-Fi's been cutting out all day. Angry, Stephanie gets up and walks over to the portable speaker and smacks it several times, getting the music going again as Steve gets up and comes up behind her, grabbing her around the waist, kissing her neck. What the fuck do you think you're doing? I don't know about you, but I'm ready for round number two. She turns around and pushes back. Well, I'm not. What are you talking about? Well... Maybe after you go downstairs and get that joint, it might get me in the mood again. You want me to go downstairs and out to my car? If you don't go out to your car... Stephanie points down at her vagina, 
then you don't get in here again. That's fucked up. I'm ready to bust my nut, and you're gonna hold out on me? Girl wants what a girl wants. <laughs> Fine. I'll go get it. I thought you might see it my way. I'm gonna jump in the shower and get all cleaned up for you. Steve watches Stephanie, with the speaker in hand, walk into the bathroom and shut the door, then grabs his jeans off the floor and slides them on. He picks up a beer, then opens the bedroom door and is startled by Jasper, standing in the hallway, holding the knife, causing him to drop his beer. Fuck, dude! You almost made me drop a turd in my pants. On top of that, you made me waste a fucking beer. Jasper tilts his head from side to side, studying Steve. <laughs> nice costume, by the way. Who's in there? Dylan or Tyler? Jasper points the knife at him. Play around with knives like that, and you're going to end up slicing your little pecker off. Now get out of my way. Steve tries to step past Jasper, but Jasper shoves him back, irritating Steve, who pushes his chest out, trying to look tough. <laughs> You're playing with fire right now, boy. I don't want to kick your stupid ass, but I will. Now step the fuck aside. Steve steps forward, but Jasper shoves him harder this time, sending him stumbling back into the room and tripping over Stephanie's shoes and falling to the floor. <laughs> Holy fuck, you little cum stain. You just made one hell of a fucking mistake. Steve gets up and cracks his neck. Then his knuckles. I hope you like shit and teeth, because I'm about to knock yours down your throat. Steve quickly steps up to Jasper and punches <laughs> him in the face, but Jasper doesn't budge as Steve pulls his hand back in pain. Ah! Fuck! Steve swings his other hand, but Jasper catches it, then drives the knife into Steve's groin. <laughs> Steve screams out as Jasper lifts him up off the floor with a knife. Stephanie stands in the shower washing her chest when she hears the bathroom door open. Well, it's about fucking time. What took you so long? Stephanie grabs the shampoo and squirts some in her hand, then puts it in her hair. What are you waiting for? Get in here. You can scrub my back for me. Stephanie pulls a sponge off the shower rack and pushes it through the shower curtain when her hand is gripped tight. Ow! But her hand is let go. What in the hell is wrong with you, asshole? That hurt! Stephanie rubs her hand as she sticks her head under the water, rinsing out the shampoo as Jasper, holding Steve's decapitated head, pulls back the curtain and steps in behind her. Jasper towers over her as the blood from Steve's crudely severed head turns the water circling Stephanie's feet red. Don't just stand there and make yourself useful. Jasper slowly sticks his hand out and runs the tips of his fingers down Stephanie's body, stopping at the small of her back as she washes the last of the soap out of her hair. Oh, that feels nice. Jasper pulls his hand back and makes a fist, then drops Steve's head down in front of Stephanie. What the? Stephanie clears her eyes and looks down at her feet. Steve? 
Stephanie backs away, kicking at Steve's head, but runs into Jasper, then spins around. What the fuck? Jasper grabs her by the throat and picks her up as her arm swings out, snapping the plastic shower head in half, leaving a jagged point. Jasper lifts her high up off the ground and in one violent motion slams her into the jagged piece of shower head, punching it through her chest, allowing water and blood to spray all over him as he watches her body twitch, then slowly slide off and fall into the tub as the music stops. Tyler hits pause on his controller and slides his headphones off as he looks back at the door, which causes Dylan to pull his off. What the fuck, man? I was on a roll. Why'd you stop? I thought I heard screaming. You didn't hear anything? I didn't hear shit, dude. So quit stalling and let's get playing. I swear I heard screaming. What you probably heard was Steve pounding the hell out of Stephanie. I'm sure they're in the recording shit for Pornhub or something. Tyler looks back at the door, then back at the TV. You're probably right. Eh, fuck it. It was nothing. Of course it was nothing. Now get the shit going again so I can get back to kicking your ass. Tyler puts his headphones back on as Dylan all of a sudden throws his controller down. What's wrong? Well, now I gotta take a dump. My stomach's a wreck. Dylan gets up, followed by Tyler. What are you doing? You gonna come help me wipe or something? In your dreams, sicko. I'm gonna go down to the kitchen and grab another Coke. Snag me a bag of those cheese puff things while you're down there. Didn't you just say your stomach is giving you problems? I'll be flushing those troubles away, making some room for new ones. Tyler and Dylan both walk out the door into the hallway, finding it dark. Dylan flips the light switch on, but nothing happens. This fucking place is falling apart. Tyler heads for the stairwell, but Dylan stops him, then points at Stephanie's door. You hear that? What? Dylan steps up to the door and puts his ear to it. It's like a scraping sound. I don't hear shit. Dylan puts his hand on the doorknob. You open that door and you might end up seeing something that will scar you for life, dude. Dylan takes his hand off the doorknob, then looks at Tyler then puts his hand back on it. That noise doesn't sound right. Dylan lightly knocks on the door. Stephanie? Dylan gets no response as the scraping sound continues, then looks at Tyler. I gotta find out what that noise is. Well, don't say I didn't warn you. Tyler heads to the stairwell, shaking his head, and as he reaches the top of the stairs, he tries the lights, but they don't turn on. Tyler steps down and almost slips on the first stair, but catches himself on the railing as he looks back at the bedrooms. Hey, whoever spilled this shit all over the stairs better get it cleaned up before Sarah finds it. Tyler carefully walks down the stairs, and when he reaches the bottom of the stairs, stands in shock at the destroyed kitchen. When the fuck happened here? Tyler picks up his foot and watches as blood drips off the bottom. What the- Rebecca can be heard hitting the pantry door and screaming for help. Tyler looks over at the pantry door. Who's in there?
Tyler crosses the kitchen, avoiding the blood, and when he reaches the door, notices the knife stuck in it. What the fuck? Tyler pulls the knife free and opens the door, finding Rebecca with blood on her head and laying in a heap of food products. Dylan carefully opens Stephanie's door, then sticks his head into the dark bedroom, finding nothing as the shower can be heard running as the scraping sound intensifies from the bathroom. What the hell are they doing in there? Dylan creeps into the dark bedroom and makes his way up to the bathroom door. Tyler kneels down next to Rebecca. What the fuck happened? Are you okay? We have to get everybody out of the house. What happened? Jasper happened. Wait a second now. I thought all that Jasper nonsense was dealt with earlier. Where the hell is Sarah? She needs to call Brad and Mary right now. She's dead. What are you talking about, she's dead? Rebecca grabs his head and forces him to look out at the kitchen. That's Sarah's blood all over the floor and the walls. He killed her. And he will kill everybody else unless we get out of here. Tyler looks at the blood, then at Rebecca. You're insane. You fucking killed Sarah. What? No, I didn't do any of that. Tyler, freaked, runs out of the pantry. Wait, come back. Tyler steps in the blood and slips, landing on his back as Rebecca crawls out of the pantry. Stay away from me, psycho. Tyler, covered in blood, slips and slides as he tries to get up. Somebody help me! She killed Sarah, and now she's trying to kill me! Rebecca puts her hand over his mouth as he thrashes around. If I had wanted to kill you, I would have done it already. You need to stay quiet so he doesn't hear you. Tyler stops moving. Do you understand? Tyler nods yes. I'm going to take my hand away but I need you to stay quiet. Rebecca takes her hand away. Will you please just tell me where Sarah is? I already told you. He killed her, and he will not stop until he has butchered all of you. Dylan opens the bathroom door and stands in shock at the side of Jasper, kneeling on the bathroom floor, using a knife to scrape fine powder from Steve's exposed leg bone. Dylan notices Stephanie's lifeless body crumpled in the bathtub and Steve's skin laid out across the sink. Fuck this. Jasper drops the bone and lets out an animalistic growl, then turns to Dylan, who turns and runs out of the bathroom toward the bedroom door. Jasper pulls a small knife out and flings it toward Dylan, sticking it in his left thigh which causes him to scream out and stumble, slamming into the bedroom door, closing it. Tyler looks up at the stairs. What the fuck was that? That sounded like a scream, man. Oh, shit. It's already happening. We're too late. Tyler looks at Rebecca. Too late? What are you talking about? Rebecca lets go of Tyler and runs up the stairs. Wait a second. Where the fuck are you going? Tyler quickly gets up and follows her. Dylan reaches down and pulls the knife out of his leg as Jasper, covered in blood and the dust of human bone, appears in the door of the bathroom. Stay the fuck away from me, dude. 
Dylan throws the knife at Jasper, but it hits the wall and falls to the floor as he pulls himself up, using the doorknob. Jasper marches toward him as Dylan opens the door and runs out, but Jasper hurls another knife, hitting him in the back and dropping him to the hallway floor. Dylan tries reaching back to pull the knife out, but can't reach it as Jasper steps out into the hallway behind him. Dylan, bleeding profusely from the knife wounds, crawls down the hall. Dylan! Dylan looks up at Rebecca and Tyler, standing at the top of the stairs. Help me! He killed Stephanie and Steve! Rebecca looks at Jasper. Leave him alone, you son of a bitch! Dylan crawls toward Rebecca and Tyler. Move your ass, man! He's right fucking behind you! Jasper walks up behind Dylan and raises his foot. Don't you fucking do it! Jasper slams his foot down on the handle of the knife, driving the blade through Dylan's chest and into the floor, killing him instantly. Rebecca grabs Tyler. We gotta move. We can't just leave him there. He's fucking dead, just like we'll be if we don't get out of here. Rebecca drags Tyler down the stairs as Jasper puts his foot on the back of Dylan's head, gripping the handle of the knife and jerks it out. Rebecca and Tyler come scrambling out of the stairway into the kitchen when Tyler suddenly stops. What the fuck is that thing upstairs that just murdered my best friend? We don't have time to jerk around, Tyler. We have to keep moving. Rebecca grabs his arm, but Tyler knocks it away. I don't give a shit what you think we need to do. We need to call the cops. Boots can be heard coming down the steps. The cops won't be able to do shit. Are there any weapons in this house? Weapons? Guns? Something we can use to kill him? Holy shit! You bet we do. In the barn, Brad has a whole safe of all kinds of guns. Jasper's boots appear at the first visible step, causing Rebecca to grab Tyler. Come on! They run out the back door and into the yard. Which way to the barn? Just follow me and try to keep up. Tyler sprints through a bunch of sheets hanging from clothing lines with Rebecca right behind him, who is glancing back to find Jasper stepping out of the house. Tyler runs between two trees when suddenly he gets tangled up in a wire with pumpkins attached at the ends and tumbles to the ground just as Chuck jumps out of one of the trees. Bam! That works like a charm! Tyler frantically tries to get free from the wire when Rebecca runs up as Chuck laughs. I told everybody my traps are the cat's meow. Listen, you little asshole. Get me out of this fucking thing right now. Rebecca looks back up at the house. I don't know where he is. I can't see him. Tyler kicks his legs at Chuck. What are you standing there for? Get me out of this. Rebecca falls to her knees and grabs the wire, desperately trying to pull it free. Why are you guys freaking out so bad? It's just a wire with pop cans attached. Rebecca reaches up and grabs Chuck, pulling him down to her. You need to get him out of this thing right now. Okay, take a chill pill. I was just trying to have a little fun is all. Rebecca looks back up the trail, finding it empty.
We don't have much time. He could be anywhere. Chuck pulls a pair of wire cutters out. A good soldier is always prepared. Tyler slaps the ground. Cut the fucking wire already! Where's the barn? Right on the other side of those trees. Chuck reaches down and cuts the wire free. There! Are you happy? You are such a little ass! Jasper's hands all of a sudden wrap around Tyler's head, then picks him up off the ground. Tyler cringes in pain as Jasper pushes his hands together, causing blood to stream out of the corners of his eyes as Rebecca grabs a tree branch. Let him go, you motherfucker! Rebecca slams the branch against Jasper, splintering it apart as Jasper pushes harder on Tyler's head, cracking his skull. Chuck reaches for Tyler, but is kicked by Tyler's swinging feet and falls to the ground. Tyler's head violently shakes under the immense pressure as Rebecca grabs Chuck just as Tyler's head crushes and his eyeballs burst out of their sockets. You have to get me to the barn. Chuck stands in shock as Jasper jostles Tyler's body, tearing his head off, then lets his body fall to the ground. Jasper holds Tyler's head up as he lets out a thunderous roar. Rebecca pulls Chuck away. Get me to the barn, now. Jasper drops Tyler's head as he looks Chuck in the eyes. Move it! Rebecca and Chuck run toward the barn as Jasper just stands watching them and laughing. Rebecca and Chuck charge through the door of the barn, finding a workbench littered with various hand tools that rests against one of the walls. A half-dozen bales of hay sit in the middle of the barn, and several pieces of rebar, varying in length, lean against the wall. Chuck, standing in the middle of the barn, shaking, watches Rebecca as she slams the door closed. We need to find something we can use to brace the door. Rebecca looks back at Chuck, who just stares back at her. Chuck! Chuck doesn't say anything. Snap out of it already! I need your help. I can't do this alone. Chuck blinks his eyes, then shakes his head. Um, what was that thing? Rebecca puts her back against the door. Will you get that piece of rebar? Chuck stands motionless. Now! Chuck hurries over and grabs a piece of rebar and hands it to Rebecca, who then forces one end of the rebar in the ground, then jams the other piece up against the door, just as something slams into it from the outside. Rebecca and Chuck jump back and watch the piece of rebar bow as the door is pushed. The thing is not going to hold. It'll hold. They watch as the rebar bends almost to the point of snapping, then straightens back out. It worked. I think he's gone. I don't think he's gone. Rebecca looks around, noticing another door at the back of the barn, and runs over, grabbing another piece of rebar, and braces that door just as it opens enough to allow Jasper's fingers through the door. Rebecca slams her body against the door, shutting it, and forcing Jasper's fingers back out. Then looks at Chuck. Tyler said there were guns in here. Where are they? 
Fingernails can be heard dragging on the outside of the barn. Leave us alone! Chuck, where are the guns? Chuck points to the back of the barn at a blue tarp covering something. Rebecca hurries over and jerks the blue tarp off, revealing a gun safe. Now we're talking. Rebecca grabs the handle but finds it locked. Oh, you gotta be shitting me right now! Rebecca struggles with the handle, then looks at Chuck as Jasper's laughter can be heard outside. We need a key. Do you know where it is? I'm guessing it's on Brad's key ring like always. Shit. Rebecca, frustrated, walks up to a wheelbarrow and kicks it over. So much for the guns. Time for plan B. Plan B? What is it? That would entail us getting as far away from this place as possible. Did Brad and Mary have another car? No, they only have that one car. The door behind her rattles. Are we going to die? Not if I can help it. Why would I be so stupid? Steve's car, it's parked in front of a house. Rebecca snaps her fingers. That's right. Bangs are heard on the side of the barn. Okay, we can do this. We just need to make a run for it. Make a run for it? Are you crazy? With the thing out there? It's the only option we have. If we stay in here, we are going to die. No way! We go out there, and we're dead! I realize you're scared, Chuck, but it's only a matter of time before he gets in here. I need you to stop and think right now. Would the real Chuck Norris be scared? Chuck looks at the side of the barn, where fingernails can be heard dragging. Chuck Norris never gets scared. That's what I'm saying. All of a sudden, Jasper comes crashing through the roof and lands in front of Rebecca, then grabs her around the throat, picking her up off the ground, and slams her against a support beam as he looks into her eyes as she struggles to breathe. Rebecca looks over at Chuck. What are you waiting for? Get your ass out of here! Chuck hurries to the barn door and kicks the piece of rebar out of the way, then glances back at Rebecca. Run! Chuck opens the door and runs out as Jasper watches him, licking his lips. Hey, asshole, I'm the one you want. Jasper looks at Rebecca, then flings her across the barn, smashing her into a rack of farm tools, then walks toward the door. Rebecca pushes several tools off of her and stands up. Kill me, motherfucker! Jasper stops at the door and turns back to Rebecca, then raises his finger and shakes it in a disapproving manner before running after Chuck. Chuck, with his camouflage face paint smeared from the stream of sweat running down his face, Sprints through the woods, glancing back, finding Jasper not far behind. Oh, crap! Chuck trips on a hole in the ground, falling to his knees, but quickly jerks his leg free and tries to get up, but Jasper steps on his back, forcing him to the ground. Jasper reaches down and flips Chuck over, then presses down on his chest with his boot as Chuck cringes in pain. Uh, you're crushing my chest. 
Jasper pulls out a wicked tool that is full of jagged teeth and swings it down near Chuck's face. Please, I don't want to die! Jasper raises the tool up, intending to drive it into Chuck's chest, when all of a sudden the point of a pitchfork burst out of Jasper's chest. I said leave him alone! Jasper lets out a scream as he drops the tool, then quickly spins around, which causes the handle of the pitchfork to smack Rebecca, knocking her to the ground. Rebecca crawls over to Chuck as Jasper reaches back and pulls the pitchfork out, allowing a black, thick liquid to seep from the holes left in his chest. Rebecca looks at Chuck. Move your ass! Chuck crawls quickly towards some other trees with Rebecca right behind him, but is stopped and screams when Jasper jams the pitchfork through the back of her leg. Jasper looks at Chuck, who is looking back at him. That's right. I'm right here. What are you waiting for? Come and get me. What the hell are you doing? Stop fucking around and get out of here while you still can. Jasper loses interest in Rebecca and storms toward Chuck. That's right, you ugly bastard. Come and get me. Chuck stands motionless between two trees as Jasper gets closer. That's it. Keep coming. Jasper reaches out for Chuck when suddenly a wire cinches around his ankle and pulls him up into the air and a collection of knives fall from Jasper's belt onto the ground as he thrashes around trying to break free. Bingo. Works like a charm. Chuck runs over to Rebecca. Are you okay? Uh, Help me get this out. Pull the... Chuck grabs the handle and pulls the pitchfork free, causing Rebecca to scream out, then tosses it on the ground and helps her up as she looks at Jasper, who is still swinging wildly and screaming. Uh, We we have to get to to the car. Chuck is doing his best to help Rebecca walk as they come around from the side of the house as Jasper swings from the tree in the distance. Rebecca gets in the driver's side of Steve's car, and as Chuck gets in the passenger side... Are you going to be able to drive with your leg? Rebecca hits steering wheel. Shit! What is it? No keys. Steve must have them. That means we have to go back into the house? I'll go get them. But what about your leg? Just wait here. Rebecca gets out. Just let me come with you. You might need my help or something. Just stay in the car. Rebecca points at him. No matter what, lock the doors, and if anything happens, honk the horn. Rebecca can't see Jasper through the trees, but he can still be heard. I'll be back before you know it. Rebecca closes the door. Then Chuck locks both doors, then crawls onto the floor. Rebecca labors toward the front door then slowly steps into the quiet house. Hello? Rebecca makes her way up the stairs, finding Dylan's body at the top, which she carefully steps around, then into Stephanie's room and stands in shock of all the blood. Oh, my God. Rebecca scans the room, finding a pair of torn jeans crumpled in the corner. She walks over to them as her shoes squish on the blood-soaked carpet, 
and looks down at the jeans. What are you waiting for? Get the keys already. Rebecca picks up the bloody jeans, trying to avoid getting any on her, then shakes them, allowing the keys to fall out. She reaches down to pick the keys up when the car horn can be heard. Rebecca hurries over to the window and looks out, finding Jasper smashing his foot through the front window of the car. Rebecca comes out of the house as Jasper is reaching into the window, trying to grab Chuck, who rises up with a gun in his hand and fires around right into Jasper's head, driving him off the hood of the car and onto the ground with a thud. Rebecca limps down from the porch and hurries up to the car. Chuck! Chuck swings the passenger side door open and steps out holding a gun. Holy shit! Where the hell did you get that thing? It was tucked up under the seat. Rebecca, take the gun from him. Is he dead? Rebecca looks back at Jasper, who lays motionless on the ground, then back at Chuck. I think so. Chuck's eyes grow wide in horror, causing Rebecca to spin around and find Jasper getting to his feet. Chuck jumps back in the car. Let's go! Rebecca doesn't move. What are you doing? I'm done with all this shit. I'm finishing it once and for all. Rebecca raises up the gun. If you didn't notice, I literally just shot him in the head and it did nothing. You can't kill him. Actually... You can. Chuck slams the door and locks it as Jasper steps in front of Rebecca. You are truly one ugly piece of shit, aren't you? This all ends now. Rebecca puts the gun to her head. Are you crazy? What are you doing? You need to just close your eyes. This is the only way. Trust me. Jasper studies Rebecca. That's right. I'm the one in charge, not you. Jasper holds a finger up, then reaches down and pulls a small bag made of human skin off his belt and without warning throws the bone shavings from the bag into the car and all over Chuck. Rebecca pulls the hammer of the gun back, drawing Jasper's attention. I could never figure out why you would never kill me. And then it dawned on me, you won't kill me because you need me. Rebecca slaps the side of her head. I've got your address now, motherfucker. Jasper smiles. Without me, you don't exist. Jasper cracks his knuckles. <laughs> Your killing days are over. Rebecca pulls the trigger, sending a bullet through her head, causing Chuck to scream out as her body falls to the ground, followed by Jasper's body violently shaking. Then vaporizes as Chuck crawls out of the car and grabs Rebecca, cradling her head. One month later, we find Chuck sitting on a bed with his suitcase next to him in a room decorated in a baseball theme, staring at himself in a mirror that is hanging on the back of a door 
that suddenly opens. And Parker, in his 40s, and Beth, also in her 40s, walk in. So, what do you think of your new room? Pretty cool, right? It's okay, I guess. If you don't like it, we can always change it. It's not a problem at all. Chuck looks around the room. This is perfectly fine. I appreciate everything you have done. Beth walks over and sits next to him. <sighs> Buddy, we know you've been through a lot, but that's all over. We want you to know that you're safe here, safe with us. Chuck is about to say something, but stops himself and looks down at the floor. What's wrong? Chuck slowly raises his head. I just have a headache. I can't shake. We can fix that up right away. I'll go downstairs and get you some aspirin. Beth hurries out of the room as Parker pulls a baseball mitt off one of the shelves and sits down next to Chuck. Maybe later, if you're feeling any better, we could toss a ball around in the backyard. How's that sound? Chuck forces a smile. That sounds like fun. Did you move the aspirin, Parker? It's in the same place as it always is. Parker looks at Chuck. I think you're going to like it here. We have a lot of kids in the neighborhood just your age. Well, if it's here, I can't see it. Frustrated, Parker gets up. Ah, uh, I swear that woman couldn't find her own head if it wasn't attached. I'll be right back. Parker walks out as Chuck gets up and closes the door, then walks over to the window, looking out at a group of kids playing tag. Chuck grabs his head and sits back down on the bed, closing his eyes, taking several deep breaths, then slowly opens them and looks at the mirror, finding Jasper sitting next to him on the bed, sharpening a knife. This concludes the twisted tale Imaginary. Remember to keep those ears open for upcoming episodes of Twisted Tales of Madness and Murder Presents wherever podcasts are found.